Good morning. Good to be with y'all this morning. Um, I don't know how many of you know this. I'm pretty open about it. I've been in therapy for seven years. I started uh, in therapy in college because I had really bad anxiety, but it was because my family, it was my family's fault. (laughs) They sent me to therapy. Um, But I was, you know, I was like, I'll take one for the team. I'll go because they have all their problems and I will learn how to solve all their problems, how to at least respond to all these broken people in my life. And I had this mindset for several years that I was the one, even though I was the one going to therapy, other people should be really going, but I'll I'll go for them. Uh, I had that mindset for several years that I was going to learn how to respond to to broken people in my life, but it it finally, it took me a couple years, my brain wasn't fully developed yet, Uh, it took me a couple years before I finally understood what my therapist had been trying to get me to understand all along, which was that I needed therapy for me. I had my own brokenness in my life that I needed to deal with. Turns out I needed a lot of healing. I had, I learned, I, I hold grudges. Did you know that? I, I didn't know that. <laughs> Apparently I hold grudges. I also had uh, a lot of sort of pride and uh, frustration around people in my life who weren't fixing their problems because I could fix my own problems. So I would get really frustrated that other people weren't fixing their own problems. Pull yourself by your bootstraps. You can do it. I did it. Turns out I also had a lot of arrogance around the privileges I was born with and born into, the family I was born into, the place I was born into, that I just got by nature of just chance of where I was born. And that not understanding those privileges had prevented me from fully having uh, unconditional love and respect for other people because I was, couldn't understand why they couldn't just fix themselves. And years ago, I would have said, you all have brokenness in your lives, all of you. Y'all all need Jesus. It took me a long time though in therapy to finally realize that I had brokenness in my life. And I wouldn't have been able to admit that brokenness is inevitable in all our lives, in all forms. That's just part of life. We will encounter brokenness in all different ways. It was really easy for me to look at my family and friends and people in my life and say, chronic illness, depression, divorce, loss of your job. Look at all you broken people. (laughs) But I didn't realize that I had the maybe more subtle less obvious brokenness in my own life of prejudice and discrimination, greed, selfishness, loneliness. There was healing I needed, there was brokenness that I needed healing. Not one of us gets through this world without facing some sort of brokenness. 
But at Treach, we envision a community where brokenness is healed. So we envision a community, meaning that we know that it's not fully here yet. That's, it's a future hope. It's something that we're working towards. This is what our focus is as a church. Everything that we do, every uh, ministry that we have, every event that we have is all geared towards that. And it's easy to see that there's brokenness in the world. We, we don't have to look far. It doesn't take long to point out where there is brokenness. The healing, that's the part. It's like, well, how do you get some of that? That sounds great. I'd love to envision a community where brokenness is healed, but how, <laughs> how do we get to the healing part? I can see the brokenness really easy. How do we get to the healing part? Since one of our values is biblical relevance, we look to scripture to see what does God say about brokenness? What does God say about healing? What happens when there's brokenness in the world? How does God intervene? So one of my favorite stories in Mark, uh, it's unique to Mark. There's a lot of overlap in the gospels, but this one only happens in Mark. It's a story of Jesus traveling with his disciples to Jerusalem. So starting in, in Mark chapter 8, verse 22, it says, They came to Bethsaida, they, Jesus, and his disciples. Some people brought a blind man to him and begged him to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. When he had put saliva on his eyes, and laid his hands on him. He asked him, can you see anything? And the man looked up and said, I can see people, but they look like trees walking. It's a little strange. Usually Jesus's healings work. <laughs> Usually we see Jesus lay his hands on a man who can't walk, and the man gets up and walks. Or the, the sick daughter, Jairus' sick daughter, that Jesus lays his hands on her, and she is healed. It's an immediate healing. Why does this seem like the healing didn't work? I would... I would think that maybe this is a teaching moment from Jesus. Jesus likes to have a lot of teaching moments. That Jesus first leads this man out of the village where he was known for his brokenness. Because that's how people identified that man. They probably, they maybe knew his name, but in, that, in the village, he was known as the blind man. He was like, oh, it's Fred, Fred, oh yeah, he's the blind guy. Yeah, oh, I know who you're talking about. They, they knew him by his brokenness. So Jesus leads the man out of the village. He led him to a place where he wasn't defined by his brokenness. He led him to a place where he could experience healing. Jesus gives the man the opportunity. Jesus sets the scene. 
for healing to take place. Jesus is already working in this man's life. He's already starting a healing process with this man before he had even done anything with his sight. And that's what John Wesley, who is the founder of our Methodist movement, John Wesley would call that prevenient grace. It's the grace that goes before us. It's the gift of God that God is already working in our lives before we are aware of it, before we can comprehend who, even who God is or that God is working. One of the most mind-blowing examples of prevenient grace is the very ability to know God. <laughs> the ability to know God is a gift from God. We would not be able to know who God is apart, <laughs> apart from God. That is an example of how God is already at work in our lives because we get the chance to know God. We need God in order to even know God. Just as the man needed Jesus to bring him to a separate place where he is not known by his brokenness. A place where he can receive healing. That's exactly what God does for us. In our ability to know God, we are brought to a place where we can, we can receive healing from God. But then after Jesus, so Jesus leads him out and lays his hands on him, and I don't have enough time to talk about the saliva part, but you'll just have to trust me on that. That was, you can look up in like little Bible notes, but it's, it's gross, yes, but we're gonna just skirt past it. Jesus lays his hands on him, and asks the man, can you see anything? Jesus is almost forcing this man to admit the brokenness that is in his life. Because Jesus knows. <laughs> Jesus knows he can't see. So he asks, helps the man to acknowledge that brokenness in his life. But we find that the man is only able to see partially. He's able to make out shapes, but he can't see. It's like a, he's partially restored. And I, I don't know about you, I feel like I live in that partial restoration for most of, most of the time, where I feel like I have, I can see, I can mostly see. I've experienced some healing from Jesus when I, when I um, was struggling with my own brokenness of arrogance or prejudice. And then I went out of my way to learn about people who were different from me. And I tried to engage more of those conversations. Or maybe for you, you turned to God in prayer for a disease that you don't know the prognosis, it's not good. And so you turn to prayer and you find that you are healed in God's, in, in your relationship with God as you pray. And so then you start adopting prayer more into your life. You make these little changes because you've seen the restoration, you've started to experience some of the restoration. 
having, experienced, having recognized your own brokenness. But then, if you're like me, maybe you slowly kind of stop putting so much effort into those efforts, into the prayer, or into the conversations, into the relationships. Because they don't become as necessary anymore. You actually kind of feel like, you know, I can kind of handle this on my own again, actually. God doesn't become as much of a lifeline. And before we know it, our life pretty much looks the same as it did before the restoration, before the healing that we encountered from Jesus. I mean, at this point, we know, maybe we know who Jesus is. We have, uh, we go to church more. We um, read our Bible a few times a week. We pray, but we still see the world mostly the same way. Even though we've encountered Jesus, we still see people like trees. <laughs> we can make out the shapes. We can kind of get the gist of what we're supposed to do. We're not fully there yet. And when the man admits he's only seeing partially, it's his way of admitting his need for Jesus in his life. Jesus is making him say, yeah, I can't, yeah, actually, I, I can see, but not that well, and I need, I need healing. And I kind of think Jesus might be the only one who can do that for me. And that, that realization, that admitting, oh, shoot, I need God. Oh my gosh, I, I really need God. That's what we call justifying grace. It's the grace of God that helps us understand how much we need God. That is a gift from God. To help us understand, oh, we really, we really need God. It, it restores the relationship of understanding who we are and who God is, and that we, we actually really need God. That's, that's justifying grace. One of those moments for me was in therapy when I finally understood that my own brokenness needed healing. My own brokenness was affecting the way I saw others and their brokenness. I was not seeing clearly. I was still seeing people as trees. How could, how could I think that I can see brokenness in other people when I am not seeing clearly? We would never say the man, would be, the man who was blind would be able to call out and see and point out brokenness in other people's lives when he is still seeing people as trees. He hadn't realized his, his need for broken, or for his need for healing yet, until he admitted 
his own brokenness for, to himself. We can't accept Jesus's restoration, Jesus's healing, until we first accept the brokenness in our lives. In verse 25, it continues. Then Jesus laid his hands on his eyes again, and he looked intently, and his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. Then he sent him away to his home, saying, do not even go into the village. Once Jesus laid his hands on the man again, the man looked intently, and his sight was restored. After understanding his own brokenness, the man accepts the healing that Jesus was already doing. Jesus was already healing him. The healing was already available to him. The man just realized it. <laughs> it's not the man's response that made him, that gave him sight. It's not the man who did anything to receive his sight, but it was always the power of Jesus that was healing him. It was just the man finally understanding. Oh, he has healing for me. I can see clearly now. I want that. his ability to see clearly, he's now able to see the world more like Jesus sees the world. He's able to see clearly. His ability to see the world like Jesus sees the world, that's, that's an example of what we call sanctifying grace. The grace that makes us more like God. It's the gift from God that we are able to grow in likeness of God, that we are able to grow to become more like God. What a gift. As the man is able to see clearly now, he is able to see more like God sees. He's becoming more like God. God sees the world through a lens of love, not judgment. No prejudice or envy, but mercy and grace. And Jesus offers healing of all kinds. Every kind of healing comes from Jesus. Jesus offers healing of all kinds, it's, it's ready for our taking. It's available to us. We just have to accept it. Acknowledge that it is happening. We need to respond to it. With any encounter of Jesus, there is always healing readily available to us. With Jesus comes healing. You can't separate the two. It's just part of the deal. 
while brokenness is inevitable in our lives, healing is inevitable with Jesus. You, can't, you just can't separate Jesus from healing. If you fully encounter Jesus, you experience a healing. That is, that is who he is. That's what his name is, God saves. God saves, that is, that is healing. And Jesus' restoration inevitably leads us to sympathize with others and their brokenness. Our experience of healing naturally leads us to share Jesus's healing with others. We have experienced it for ourselves and we know firsthand what, when other people are experiencing brokenness, we know how painful that is. And we want to offer the hope, the real hope that healing is available. And even if it doesn't happen in this lifetime to the way that we imagine what healing is, we are called to do everything we can to bring about that healing in other people's lives. That's just what we're called to do as followers of Jesus. It's to offer the healing love of God to people. Because we know ourselves firsthand how powerful that healing is. That's why we envision a community where brokenness is healed. The healing that we experience from brokenness can't stop with us, it has to be spread. It is designed to be a universal experience, not, not just stop at the individual of, God healed me, good for me. It's, it's a natural response to we experience the healing of God and we want that for other people. That's what it naturally causes us to do. It can't be contained to just us. When we encounter other people experiencing brokenness, we, we no longer judge them for their brokenness, but have sympathy for them. Because we, we have brokenness in our lives that we, we also experienced. And we realize how much we need God every day. We experienced Jesus's healing and now we can see the world more clearly. And what the world is showing us is that it needs hope, it needs healing. It needs, it needs God's love. I love that Jesus tells the man, don't, don't even go back. Don't go back to your village. They knew you as the broken man. They called you broken. Don't, don't go back there. I, I have given you a new name. I have healed you and restored you. Go forward in your life as the one who has been healed. Let that 
be your identity and share that with other people. Don't go back to where brokenness was. You don't need to go back there. You don't need to dwell in that. You just need to let yourself be healed and share that healing with others. Will you pray with me? Loving God, we need you. God, I know I am guilty of thinking sometimes I don't need you. I can go throughout my day not really need to depend on you, but God, today I am reminded that I need you. I have brokenness in my life that needs your healing. God, would you help us to see what that brokenness is in our lives? And we, God, we invite that healing love into our lives. Give us the courage to admit the brokenness and to accept the healing. And God, empower us to go out and share the hope and healing that you have offered us. is only by the power of your son. Thank you, God, for your great love given to us so freely. It's in your name we pray. Amen.